can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. So you seem really positive at the moment yeah. and working from home and, <laughs> and being at home. And perhaps that's because your life is much, you're much more of a homebody than me. So yeah. it's not too much of a change. Mm-hmm. I, I just can't do it anymore. I'm like so done with it. I had a weird time at the start of isolation. I, I had a meltdown and I was like, nah, this is, I can't do this. We don't know how long it's going to be. And then a switch flicked in me and I was like, nah, this is all right. I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. And then as soon as I was in like a routine, and I was doing the same thing every day, I was fine. It was when it was like unsure and no one knew what was happening that I felt really anxious about it. But now I'm doing okay. But as you said, I'm definitely much more of a homebody. And most weekends I would stay home in my dressing gown. So my life really hasn't changed much. I have a confession to make. Oh my God. I, oh my God, I actually looked up. <laughs> it's actually what? in my Google search history. This is terrible. I Googled can I fly to Thailand? And it was like, no, you cannot fly to Thailand. <laughs> Are you actually serious? You thought you'd be able to? And I've also been, um, my Google searches last night were, because I think everything's so amplified, like, should I leave the rat race? Like, I've been Googling <laughs> some really, like, intense existential, like, crisis. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've just been all over the internet doing some really weird Google searches. <laughs> I think about- it's going to be okay. I think very soon we should be able to travel interstate. Also, just on another isolation thing, do you have any indoor plants? Because mine are just flourishing. Oh, a couple of years ago, maybe I bought four. Oh. I spent hundreds of dollars. They yeah. all died, including oh. this. They were like cactus. Like oh, I thought it was no. impossible to kill cactus. It is. <laughs> I'm not allowed to have plants. Okay. Yeah. You know that movie, um, Oh, it's that Sandra Bullock movie and he has – and at first he has to keep a plant alive, then he can keep a dog alive and then only when he can keep a dog alive can he have a relationship. Uh, I don't think I know that one. Have you not one. seen this? No, it sounds a lot like How to Lose a Guy in 10 <laughs> Days though. <laughs> How, what kind of plants have you got? Uh, I've got a few. I've got like a peace lily, I've got a monstera, I've got one of those uh, cheese plants that has like all the holes in it. Fancy. Yeah, I really, I really love my indoor plants. I'm like obsessed with them. Um, they're like pets to me. Sometimes I just sit out and talk to them and lay there and look at them and yeah. Oh my God, Joe. <laughs> I'm fine though. <laughs> you haven't gone crazy and I, so I can tell. <laughs> Talking to your plants is very normal. <laughs> so should we get on what's on today's episode? Yes. So on today's episode, we are talking about the weirdest thing you've found in your belly button because this was actually requested by listeners. And then we're talking to Dr. Nina Wines. She's a dermatologist in Sydney, and we're chatting about pregnancy skincare and, of course, our products we didn't know we needed. Okay, so I put a um, story up on my Instagram the other day, Hannah, and I asked what people want to hear from us on the podcast, just because I like to check in occasionally and see what what's missing, you know, because we're, we're too close to it sometimes and we forget what we haven't haven't spoken about. I think sometimes we've had discussions and I'm like, no, we've already spoken about that. And you're like, no, we haven't. <laughs> this week, we're talking about belly buttons and what you found 
in your belly button. But this is a we've we've talked about belly button piercing holes. Before. Yes, this is an extension of that. This is an extension of that. So if you missed that episode where we talked about our belly ring holes and the smells that come out of them, um, that's in another episode. <laughs> so you can <laughs> refer back to that one. But basically, Hannah and I both discovered that we'd squeezed the gunk, gunk out of our belly button ring holes, and a lot of people related. So it's <laughs> so it's, many people really related. It's very yeah. stinky. So if you have a fear of belly buttons, I don't know how I don't know how to pronounce this word, but I'm going to try. It's called omphalophobia. I don't know if that's how you say it, but that's a fear of belly buttons. So if you have a fear of belly buttons, this segment probably isn't for you. But I put a call out to our staff at Adore Beauty, and I said on our like company wide channel, I was like, please slack me if you have found anything weird in your belly button. <laughs> And one person messaged me and that person was Courtney and she was like, weird that you ask. The other day I cleaned my belly button and I found sand in there. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And she was like, but I haven't been to the beach in over three years. Oh my God. That triggered my own memory. So recently, I wouldn't say recently, it it was a while ago, but I found crumbs in my belly button. And I can't remember the last time I ate a biscuit without a top on. Like, I don't know how, (laughs) I don't know how a biscuit crumbs got in my belly button. I I sometimes pull out like, um, like a dust bunny. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's what I usually get in my belly button, a dust bunny. I just get mainly tan residue. It's really deep in the belly button as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, we both, do you have an innie as well, don't you? Yes, I, I do. I think 90% of people have innies and 10% have outies. Can I tell you something disgusting? My mum kept my, I don't know if this is disgusting, maybe this is normal, but I had. She so kept my your mom, umbilical cord? Well, yeah. My mum Yeah, that's kept, normal. Oh, that's normal. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think, I think that's like a generational thing. So it was really funny. We were talking about this the other day. Linda kept, they were called our memory boxes. And by the time I was in grade six, we had like 10 memory boxes each. She would put any card we received, like, like dear Hannah with happy birthday, love X, Y, Z. She kept every, and Ruby the other day, my sister was like, mum, why did you keep every single card we ever received? I'm surprised that Linda did that. I didn't pick Linda as a sentimental person. She did. She kept everything. And then we had to go through them. Like when we moved, we all moved out of home. And I, I just, there was like, hundreds of cards with no message, just like oh. the message that's printed. Oh. Yeah. And and then I also found my umbilical cord, cord and my teeth as well. Oh, like, okay. Teeth is a bit <laughs> weird. Oh, and do you know what else she kept? This is, what? This is so funny. <laughs> this is freaking me out a little so, bit. <laughs> so, when, so when I was two, my mum found under the bed, I'd cut my own fringe off and yeah. my mum found the hair. Classic Hannah, I, haven't changed a bit. <laughs> I hid it under my bed and that lock of hair was in my memory box. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> Did you think she wouldn't notice? Like you just hid it and thought she wouldn't notice you cut your fringe off? Oh, we did that a lot. Our babysitter couldn't deal with us and so. I can imagine. <laughs> once what we did with the babysitter, I'm sorry, this has gone a bit off topic, but I felt so sorry for this babysitter. Alice and I got all the clothes from all the drawers in the house and threw them over the balcony. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
Why? <laughs> why wasn't she supervising you? I don't feel sorry for her if she wasn't watching you. She didn't know what to do. Can you imagine Tell trying you to no. deal with me as like a five-year-old? Yeah, I can. You need to be told no. <laughs> oh, my God. We were terrors. We terrorized wow. our babysitters. Anyway, back to belly buttons. So you mentioned that you get like lint in your belly button. Yes. I basically just get tan residue and because I obviously don't clean it out enough. But there's apparently this special type of hair that grows inside your belly button. I found this on the internet. And they have tiny barbs that protrude and they rub against your clothing. Yes. So they're apparently arranged in a way that acts as a funnel and it can suck fluff into your belly button. Oh, that's why you get all the fluff in your belly yeah. button. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Have you ever touched your belly button and felt sick from it? Like, have you ever gone to like clean it and you feel sick afterwards? Like, you just feel a bit weird. No. Oh, really? No. Oh, okay. Because I've done that before and it made me feel really sick. And so I looked that up. And apparently, if you put your finger in your belly button, it sends a, sing- a signal to the deeper fibers in your like inner abdominal cavity. So that can make you feel sick or a bit weird or like give you a bit of a That's tingly. so weird. That's very I know. I weird. can't even think about belly buttons too much because it's honestly like where they come from and everything. Like my sister-in-law is pregnant right now and I just look at her and I'm like, that's a baby in you. Like if you actually think about it too much, it's a little bit freaky. Um, I'm just looking at my belly button now. I mean, I just wish I'd never got that. I'll look at mine too. I just wish I'd never got that piercing. Same. I have big regrets about that. Big regrets. Can't, that that hole will never, ever close over. Yeah, I know. I wish I'd known that at the time. I didn't even know that. I was just 15. I was like, it's cool. My belly's carrying a bit of extra weight at the moment, so I can (laughs) hardly see my belly button at all. Please. Oh, God, you're dramatic. <laughs> please can, please don't take that the wrong way. Like, I'm not complaining. Like, I'm like, I'm very body positive at the moment, I promise. <laughs> Welcome to our next guest. Dermatologist Dr. Nina Wines joins us today from Northern Sydney Dermatology and Laser. Nina, your subspecialty interest is women's dermatology, especially skin disorders relating to pregnancy. So we thought you'd be the perfect person to come on today to chat about pregnancy skincare. Nice to meet you both girls. I'm I'm happy to talk about one of my very, very favorite topics, um, pregnancy in the skin. It's such a large, vast topic and um, it's great that you're talking about this. Well, can we start with the question that I'm wondering, how does the skin change during pregnancy? Does it differ in each trimester? Yeah, there's there are some uh, some differences as the pregnancy progresses along. Of course, there's heaps of hormone change. There's loads of estrogen hanging around, which affects the skin, hair and nails. And as the pregnancy progresses, the effects um, get more and more. There's a lot of increased oil secretion, so the skin gets a little bit shiny, which gives it that lovely glow. And of course, our blood volume, I'm not sure if many of your listeners know, your blood volume increases by 50%, so that gives you nice rosy cheeks and, and sort of a more supple appearance to your skin. But as we progress along in pregnancy, other problems emerge, such as stretch marks and things like that, and pigmentation. And so that's sort of how and also pregnant ladies get those little benign skin growths like skin tags on the neck that they really hate and their little their moles get a bit bigger and things like that so they come to me to help them with that as well so you touched just briefly on there the pregnancy glow so so there is actually like a medical explanation for the pregnancy glow 
Do some people have it and some people don't? No, I mean, everyone has exactly the same uh, physiological changes in pregnancy, loads of uh, hormone changes, some increased androgen secretion and blood flow. But the issue is, is that like everything in life, uh, everyone is individualized in how they respond to those changes. So some people, unfortunately, will be a bit more prone to acne and stretch marks. So, And also remember, some ladies get so, so sick with lots of vomiting, mm. the poor things, and um, that leads to dehydration, which can make the skin look a little bit dry and certainly they lose that glow. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. What, what are some of the common misconceptions about skincare specifically during pregnancy? The thing that I struggle with most is that all the mums-to-be are so scared about what they're applying on the skin because, of course, they don't want to do anything that's harmful to their baby the skin is a really thick thick bar and it does protect us from lots and lots of things it's got a very good function in that regard and you know with the exception of hydroquinone a lot of products aren't really absorbed in vast volumes and certainly I want to get across that message that sunscreen is safe although in pregnancy I'd probably choose more of a physical blocker and I also want to tell people that topical oils don't really prevent stretch marks. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Controversial. <laughs> I, I had I had read that. Like when I was doing a bit of research into it, I had read that there's no scientific evidence that oils prevent stretch marks. A lot of women swear by bio oil. Well, yeah, my mum swears by the fact that she used oil. So I wonder where that comes from, if you can enlighten us. Well, when you think about it, the um, the baby and the fluid around the baby creates a lot of stretch. And if you've got a teeny tiny mum and a really, really big tall dad, of course you're going to have a bigger baby and a tiny woman and that's going to mm. put a lot of tension on the skin and it doesn't matter what you apply. There's no way you're going to prevent that tension on the skin. So oils mm-hmm. make the skin feel softer and um, and more supple, but there's no scientific papers absolutely showing that these oils can prevent stretch marks. Mm, very interesting. Very interesting. Are there any ingredients that are definite no-nos and what are they usually listed as on the ingredients label of your typical skincare product? It's a fantastic question, girls. Um, everyone knows vitamin A derivatives such as retinoids and retinols are the big no-no in pregnancy. Retinoids are the prescriptive strength vitamin A's, whereas retinols are the more cosmetic vitamin A's. So the prescriptions are like tazarotene, adapalene and tretinoin, whereas the cosmetic skincare products will have words like retinol palmitate, retinol acetate, retinol linoleate, um, for instance. I tend to ease away from vitamin A derivatives um, just to be careful. Also, I mentioned before, hydroquinone to avoid that. Beta-hydroxy acids is a little bit controversial. Some studies show that um, it doesn't penetrate, but I just think until it's a bit clearer to avoid that. And that can um, labels can have things like trophic acid um, or beta-hydroxy acid, salicylic acid, or even willow extract. So there are a lot of words to remember, but there's some of the things. Um, also, girls, the other thing, another controversial point is that um, essential oils are not studied. And a lot of my patients make up their own little concoctions to rub on their on their belly when they're pregnant. But, you know, we just don't know enough about those oils. Um, and certainly if they're put in, onto the body in high concentrations, they might be like hydroquinone. Yeah. We don't know. And no one studied them. So I tend to tell my patients to avoid the um, essential oils until we know a bit more. Yeah, I had heard that essential oils were a little bit of an unknown 
you know, because I think a lot of people when they become pregnant think that natural skincare might be better for during their pregnancy. Is there any research or anything to indicate that natural skincare is better to use while you're pregnant? Once again, another controversial topic because um, there, there absolutely isn't any definitive evidence. And that gets you into the bigger, broader, brighter conversation about what constitutes natural skincare and every skincare product in the world needs to contain some sort of agent to prevent bacterial growth that's usually Mm -hmm. a preservative so and as we mentioned the essential oils are just not studied and some of those plant-based materials are not fully studied Um, so as a professional I can't say yes to them but I'm sure many women of the world have (laughs) um, used them (laughs) so with no no problems yeah In the absence of certain ingredients in your routine, what ingredients do you recommend during pregnancy? I love just telling people that, yes, you still have to use actives in pregnancy, you know, for sure. And Mm -hmm. some of the the problems that women do experience, of course, are the pigmentation and acne and rosacea and itchy skin and a funny little benign growth. So my skincare regime, I do recommend generally to contain actives such as vitamin C, um, vitamin B, niacinamide, we have, I'm sure you're all up to speed with that product. Um, alpha hydroxy mm-hmm. acids are safe and they make the skin look so beautiful, such as glycolic acids and lactic acids. Um, obviously, I substitute that for vitamin A. Azelic acid instead of hydroquinone is a great skin lightening agent to prevent pigmentation. And um, always sort of head towards the physical blockers such as invisible zinc instead of the chemical blockers simply because oxybenzone or avobenzone can contain, well, we don't know enough about them, put it that way. So I just tend to say, well, you know, maybe we'll just stay away from those just until after pregnancy. Just one more thing, um, just the body moisturiser because itchy skin occurs in 15% of pregnant women. So staying ahead of the game um, and whacking on a beautiful body moisturiser within sort of five minutes of coming out of a shower can really help to reduce that itchy skin in pregnancy. You just touched briefly on pigmentation. I was wondering why pigmentation is so common in pregnancy and how can someone effectively manage it during their pregnancy? Yeah, it's super, super common and it really, really upsets ladies as you can imagine. There's just such a lot of estrogen and flying around when you're pregnant and that combined with your sort of your genes, what you're blessed with and sunlight, of course, is mm. the perfect playground for um, melasma formation. It's sort of a bit of the luck of the jaw in the end um, in terms of your genetic makeup. But I normally recommend a physical blocker, lasers and hydroquinone in the non-pregnant state. However, um, obviously hydroquinone and lasers aren't safe in pregnancy. So during pregnancy, I treat it with some alpha hydroxy acid peels or alpha hydroxy acid topicals, um, some vitamin B, some vitamin C, very, very good. As I mentioned before, azelaic acid is great. And then as soon as the baby comes out, we can do a bit of laser that can sort of help the pro the process. Uh, but remember, just for all you out there, not to feel despair because it does lighten after the baby comes out. So mm-hmm. that's great. You touched a little bit there on um, some of the professional treatments that are okay during pregnancy. Are there anything? Are there any other treatments aside from your AHA peels that you can have done in a professional sense in a clinic while you're pregnant? Some effective LED light based treatments that we can perform. And um, my favorite. <laughs> just, it's very relaxing as Love well. Um, and 
it's effective. Uh, particularly, I use that a lot for my poor ladies who get terrible acne flares in pregnancy and or rosacea flares or the back knee. It's great for that. Um, mm-hmm. Skin needling, I'm I really like it in a supervised setting because unfortunately, I've been referred a lot of patients who've had a bit of pro- some problems relating to some side effects from skin needling, but. With some skin needling done in in a careful setting with proper education, that can be fantastic as well. So what are the changes? You did mention some women experience quite severe acne or rosacea or bacne um, during pregnancy. What can women expect post-pregnancy when the hormones start to return to normal? So obviously I see a lot of ladies post-pregnancy because we all know, um, well, for those who've had babies, you know you feel a bit tired and a bit bit worn out so um want to get back to feeling as normal as possible so some of the things that i do manage acne and rosacea um spider veins which are those little red veins that people can get on their face or chest they do resolve naturally but a bit of laser can help those um stretch marks are the big thing 90 percent of women do experience stretch marks and the best time to treat them is as early as possible post delivery when then they're really red and pink and that's when flash pump dye laser makes a massive difference so and also benign little skin growths really affect ladies so skin tags everywhere but want to once again reassure that this does improve post-pregnancy i don't know if you have heard of something called the mini nagra which is just a a longitudinal line of pigmentation from the uh, belly button down to the that's something that people get a bit worried about but once again I reassure that will absolutely go away and I would absolutely not waste anyone's time on laser that because it will just go away quickly and then of course there's a whole host of more rare pregnancy specific skin rashes that can occur Um, but they're a bit super specialized and not too many people experience those. So Mm -hmm. I know a lot of women experience um, hair loss post-pregnancy. Is that something that you deal with in your clinic as well? Because I know that dermatologists and trichologists deal with that a lot. Is that something that women come to you for as well? Yes, absolutely. So pregnancy is a state where you get beautiful luscious hair because it just forces the hair into stay put, if you like. Mm -hmm. I won't use our complex terms, but then after delivery you can we all shed hair and when it's extreme it's called telogen gravidarum and that's when you get this really massive loss of hair not complete bald but just Mm -hmm. a lot of hair and that's very distressing for for people who really love their hair and identify hair as their best feature so people do understandably come and see us for that so Mm -hmm. there are certain medications and um, topical treatments that we can use to help but um, yes it's a very common concern but it does once again cease but if it goes on for greater than sort of six to 12 weeks then we get it we institute some treatment for people and I also did want to ask a question because my sister-in-law is pregnant at the moment and I was speaking to her the other day and asked if her hair had grown back after having laser hair removal and she said it was starting to grow back so is that all the hormones that start to trigger that hair growth again even if you've had laser hair removal prior to your pregnancy that's such a fantastic question yes it it is it is absolutely it's just those excess hormones can cause a little bit of a recurrence of the hair a bit like what happens in teenagers so we just get we can just do a bit of more more laser hair reduction just a top-up treatment for that it's generally Mm -hmm. not too dramatic in most women 
so it's very easily rectified. Okay, so what I'm gathering from this whole conversation is don't use your retinols or salicylic acid or hydroquinone while pregnant. You can still use your actives. You can still use AHAs. You can still have some treatments in clinic with a dermatologist or clinician. That's pretty much what I'm gathering from this conversation. So for anyone that's listened to this whole thing and gone, wait, 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 I'm still confused. I think that's probably the basics. <laughs> the, only, the only thing we ask is if you do come into the clinic, please bring your baby because our nurses are so clucky. And, uh, <laughs> they all swarm around the babies and they absolutely love it. That's like our office when someone comes in with a yeah. baby. That must be common across workplaces. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Dr. Nina Wines works out of Northern Sydney Dermatology and Laser if you'd like to go and see her. Thanks for joining us, Nina. That was really helpful. Thank you so much. Thanks, Product we didn't know we needed. Hannah, start us off. I have another story, as I always do. Yeah, love that. <laughs> I was leaving the office quite late. It must have been 6 or 6.30. And Danny, who is our senior category manager, she was walking down with me. And I was like, <sighs> can you hear me sniffing? Yes. <laughs> I was like, <sighs> I was like sniffing her like a dog. And I was like, what <laughs> is that scent? And I said, is that? not a perfume and she was like oh it's actually Juliet has a gun not a perfume super dose and I was like did you put that on in the morning and she was like I she's like I cannot believe you can still smell it it was like it was following her through the car park I have I have a question so Juliet has a gun is like a molecule perfume yes so is it is it an EDT or an EDP? I don't as if I know. You're asking them. Oh. <laughs> what? Well, is it Eau de Toilette or an Eau de Parfum? Oh, EDT, it's EDP. Well, this is not only is it a EDP, it's also super dose. Yes. Okay. So Juliet has a gun, not a perfume is. I think it's our bit best-selling fragrance. So it's made from Cetalox. Cetalox mm-hmm. is a molecule. And it's got like a woody, musky, amber scent. And and what they've what they I what what's strong silage? Silage, yeah. So that's like the way that it lasts on the skin. So with the molecule perfumes, when you spray it onto the skin, it mixes with your own chemistry. Yes. And so it creates kind of your own individual scent. So it doesn't smell the same on anyone. It's you can tell that it's that perfume, but it smells slightly different on every person. It says here, which is just so true, it leaves a powerful trail. Like it really yes. does. Mm. It's, and like it's weird because it's not like what you would traditionally think of like as a really sexy perfume. But for me, it is yep. the sexiest perfume that I've ever smelled. You know how people have their signature scent and they kind of don't you know, sway from that. Don't stray from it. For 31 years, I've not been like that. I just, I've, I've tried a million different fragrances and, and mm-hmm. but now this is my scent. Like this is the okay. one. And yes, I've copied like two other people at work, but I don't yeah. care. This is my <laughs> scent. Juliet has a God, not a perfume. Superdose is my scent. Do you have the hand cream as well? Yes, I've got the hand cream as well, and that's very nice. If you don't want to splurge, a Superdose is 219 and the normal Not A Perfume is 209 You can actually get a 7.5ml spray. That's only 39 mm-hmm. so you can actually try it. I've got that spray in my bag and I use it flat out. You can try the Not A Perfume fragrance, and then if you want to get a stronger version of that, the Superdose mm-hmm is the one for you. But well, who do you think it's not suitable for? I guess if you like floral fragrances, it's probably not what you're going to be wanting. Uh, no, it ha- does have some sweetness to it, I think. 
I reckon it's a really universal scent. I can't describe it. It is very hard to explain, but it's also, I don't think it's overpowering or it's not so specific that it would be like off-putting to anyone. I think it's a really quite a universal female scent, I would say. Yes. So that is my product that I didn't know I needed. What's yours? Great. Mine is It Cosmetics Confidence in a Cream. I don't know how I haven't really spoken about this yet because I've been using it for quite a while and I really love it. So this is a moisturizer, but it's got kind of built-in priming ingredients in it. So I really love to use this before I put makeup on. Not that I've been really wearing much makeup in isolation, but I did do a makeup tutorial for my own Instagram and I did use this because it has such a nice texture. It's really creamy. It just glides onto the skin and it just makes your foundation go on really flawless. It's got hyaluronic acid in it. It's got ceramides, it's got amino acids. It's got quite nice ingredients in it and it's suitable for all skin types. I personally would recommend it more for dry skin or dry to normal skin. That's my skin type. I'd say for you, Hannah, it's probably a bit too rich. I think you might get a bit too much shine throughout the day, but it's a great product. And it also comes in a mini version as well, which I think is really good if you're, you know, it's $72. So if you don't want to commit to the full size before you've tried it on your skin, I would get the mini one. I think that's about 24 bucks, but oh, this is such a nice product to put on under makeup. I highly, highly recommend as like, also it just doubles as a primer. So that's mine for today. Very nice. I love it, cosmetics. Same. And I'm using their eye cream at the moment too. Are you? Yeah, yeah, How's yeah. How's that? I know. I like it. I like everything that it cosmetics does. Yeah. They do have some really, really good products. And also they really address- Concerns. Yeah. They, they just address things that other brands don't. Yes. So I guess what I do want to know is we've had a review on the podcast about, was it Stop the Curl Talk? Yep. Yep, I know the one. That curly hair is not something that you need to make the most of or to deal with. And I actually would respectfully like to disagree because (laughs) um, curly hair is something that is really hard to deal with for me personally. And my sister says the same thing. It's actually not the same as having straight hair. And so the Mm -hmm. reason that we've been talking about curly hair is because I'm on a bit of a journey to figure out, because if you damage your curl through heat tools and and Mm -hmm. It's really hard to get it back. And it's also a more complex hair texture as well and learning to, you know, treat it well. Totally, yeah. One of my really good friends has curly hair too and she never wears it curly, but it looks amazing when she wears it curly and she just refuses to because she finds it too hard to manage. So I think a a lot of people will see your point of view there, Hannah. (laughs) Hopefully. So we're not (laughs) going to stop the curl talk. I'm very sorry, but (laughs) we do take on a lot of your feedback. But Absolutely, we do. But I think more hair episodes are in the works. We're going to talk about blondes at some point. So there'll be more hair talk on the cards. There'll definitely be more hair talk. Well, I hope you're all doing well and we will see you next week. See you next week. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated.